Skilly pa pa pa. Skilly pa. Welcome back to Boozicals. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners, to Boozicals, where Campbell and I uh, review musicals. While we I was drunk. literally about to say, <laughs> we're doing such a good job actually saying who we are and what we're doing at the beginning of the episodes. And yeah. The- <laughs> I literally forgot what it is that we do, uh, which is drink alcohol and review musicals. And also share, you know, a little bit of music education and get people back interested in music. That's what we do here. And That's what we're shit. all about. And and talk shit, most importantly, yes. But also talk love. There are a lot of things we love. More rarely, but yes. <laughs> also that. <laughs> How you doing, Kevin? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm mm. happy to be here with you, talking about this stuff. I'm also Having happy a to be here. nice, refreshing drink. I was reminded this weekend that I despise summer traffic and constantly wish I was the only person in the world with a car. Um, but I'm happy to be here, too, because yes. I made it. You made it. We both made, made it. it. We're here together. We done did it. Congratulations. Together forever. You'll be in my heart. Come together. Right, right now. now. Copyright. Beatles. Very litigious. <laughs> stop. 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 That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's but all speaking, we can do. Well, not speaking of yet. Campbell, uh, what music education term you got for us today? What, what are we doing okay, over there? So, so I'm pouring my drink right now. Um, and it's, I'm drinking Wild Roots. Well, part of the cocktail, but what I'm taking a shot of. Uh, Wild Roots Vodka is very, very good. Um, they're Pacific Northwest. It's inspired by lava rock from the Cascade Mountain Range and Mother Nature's purification system. Um very very good vodka and very very good gin they have a pear vodka that i almost Ooh, got but sometimes when we like have a plan for like a drink and i think and i go to the liquor store and i think ooh, that could be interesting i have to calm myself down and say no just like every time i go to the store time. every time i go i have to stop myself from buying like five different things didn't we use pear vodka for mrs hannigan's hooch and yeah yes we did and i use wild roots vodka hey bringing it back nice and i think i don't because you were making that drink and i don't think you suggested pear vodka but i did because that was the vodka i had left yeah nice (laughs) (laughs) okay so for our classic segment Mm. called um Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a fun word and make it drunker. Ooh, long but lovely. I, I'm here for it. The term is skiffle. Ooh, it's a genre of folk music that has influences in like American folk music, blues, country, bluegrass, and jazz. Originating in the first half of the 20th century in the United States, but it became really popular in the UK in the 1950s. And that's really what the band The Quarrymen, the original mm, name for the nice. Beatles, started off on was skiffle music. Yeah. So I thought that was Which a I had not heard about before doing this episode. Yeah, there's so many things in music that's just like, you know it exists. You know it's yeah. like fun hodgepodge of things. Yeah. You just never know a name for it. Yeah, like there's so many types of... Because 
because again like we talked about before music is just self-expression um so it's really cool seeing how many ways a genre can branch or just a general style or like application of an instrument or sound um the various ways that that can show up in music yeah but with that the musical we're talking about today is across the universe which we've been doing a lot of jukebox musicals. This. We have, and I'm not <laughs> always a fan of them. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Across the Universe is a 2007 jukebox musical uh, directed by Julie Tamar, and it's uh, centered on songs about the Beatles. Pretty much yeah. all the main characters, are their names are from Beatles songs, and it incorporates like 34 different Beatles songs, and it's really it just, is. you know... It's about love. There are so many songs. There are so many songs. There are so many songs. Yeah. But I chose this because this is one I wanted to do for a while because I like the Beatles, unlike Raven. And (laughs) I... Like, I watched this for the first time, I think, in high school. And thought it was great. haven't watched it in forever. But, I don't know. I thought it could be a fun one to do. Yeah, I, on the flip side, uh, did not grow up listening to the Beatles. I really, like, didn't know who they were uh, for a long time. Like, I I physically heard of the band, right? But I didn't listen to their music growing up or anything like that. Um, didn't know they had a movie until Campbell and I started doing this podcast. And he oh, said no, they have so they have more movies. Oh, than oh, I know. I, I've, okay. I've written them down. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I this, is, this is a great opportunity for you to learn so much about the Beatles against your will. It is indeed against my will. <laughs> Were there at least, like, I know you didn't really listen to them, but their music is just so pervasive into everything. So, Were there at least some songs, like, do you not know, like, here's Let It the Be? Thing I've, here's the thing I've discovered. I like Beatles songs when they are not performed by the Beatles. <laughs> that, and I think that's super fair. Yeah, that like, might, you I... Know what? Cancel me? I think that's fair. For this episode, I did, like like you recommended, I did go through, like, I, I went to, like, This is the Beatles on Spotify, just to get a general sampling of, like, their music. Shout Spotify. And I, every time, like, I had heard a lot of covers of Beatles songs, and every Beatles song I've ever known, I have preferred the cover over the original. And I was listening to the Beatles today, and I was like... It's just not my sound. It's just not my no. style. But you know I what? Mean, it's, it's someone's, it, and I'm and here it's, for it. just shows you a testament um, to also not only, you know, their performance, their singing, their instruments yeah. um, playing, but also, <laughs> you know, their lyricism, um, their oh, yeah. composition. and Like, they're, they're I mean, objectively good songs, regardless of what genre they're performed in, you know. Regardless of whatever you have to say about them. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, but with that, uh, oh, our drink, you forget what we do every single, every single time. And I, and I don't know how. <laughs> um, so the drink we are drinking is we're calling a strawberry jams. Ooh. Cheers. Cheers. Nice. Mm. So we kind of winged this recipe a little bit. Um, yeah. The recipe that Campbell found that uh, it's basically just like 10 strawberries, lemon juice, however much you want. Sugar, however much you want, and water, however much you want. And we were like, that's super helpful. I can work with that. <laughs> we could work with it, clearly, because this is very good. Yeah. Um, I was worried about the two ounces of vodka you recommended I add, but it's very good. Yeah, it's when I was looking up 
things i wanted this to like look like a strawberry that was my vision yeah. alcohol was an afterthought i was even <laughs> debating whether it should be vodka or rum um because that one recipe i found is not a cocktail there's no alcohol in yeah. it yeah um, it's just a so, drink yeah so this is like blend in a blender like 10 strawberries frozen or fresh if you do fresh you do want to pour it like over ice or at least like chill in the fridge beforehand yeah i did like juice of like half a lemon I did a couple teaspoons of sugar, which honestly, I think I could have only needed one because of the strawberries, mm. but blend that up real good. But what I really like about this is that we're using chia seeds. Yes. That and is making it have such a fun texture. I mean, there's a lot of health benefits for chia seeds as well. There are. Like, I had already had cheese seeds because I love doing, putting them in, in smoothies, but I didn't know. So for this recipe, we bloomed the chia seeds. Like, you yeah. put them in water, you know, for a couple of hours or overnight or whatever. Um, and they, like, absorb the water and kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? Expand a bit and, bloat. like, take one. Yeah, they bloat. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that that was a thing. So every time I put chia seeds in smoothies before, I just dumped them in the smoothie. Um, so this was an interesting thing to learn. Yeah, and so after, then you, like, mix in the chia seeds, or you can yeah. blend it all together, because that's also, like, yeah, um, and then uh, pour that into a glass. If it's frozen, you're good. If it's uh, fresh strawberries, uh, pour it over ice, add a couple ounces of vodka, and just make sure you, like, mix it real well, and that's it, and, and then, then the garnish with whatever kind of, like, mint or basil or fun thing like that. Yeah, and, and I use frozen strawberries for mine, so uh, we can put, like, maybe an individual drink recipe and, like, a bulk recipe in this, um, in the description. But for mine, like, it's very, like, smoothie-like because my strawberries were frozen, um, and it, in the best way possible, it just tastes like drinking a, a strawberry. I love it. Um, very good. Can't even taste the vodka. The lemon juice adds, like, the perfect amount of, like, flavor, at, like, flavor spice, you know, citrus, you know, um... And yeah, I agree. Des definitely doesn't need that much sugar. No. Strawberry yeah. jams. Strawberry jams. So let's get into it. Let's get into so, it. So across the universe, we open up. Um, I wrote down, we open <laughs> on a dude on a beach because I didn't know his name because we don't learn his name for 18 minutes. Yes. Okay. So but this is Jude. <laughs> preface this i love mm -hmm. this movie i have a lot of nostalgia for this movie and the beatles music in general when i was like younger and listened to the beatles for the first time it was kind of yeah. like on my own i'm like oh my god and like got really into it like a lot of people do but oh interesting i just assumed you would have like picked it up from your like parents or something like that interesting um but I do recognize the faults in this movie and i will try my there are many darndest to not be biased. Mm. Criticism number one. Transitions do not exist. Nope. <laughs> just not at all. It's just like, okay, we got that scene. Okay, let's move it along. Um, and so when we, like, see in the beginning, and I, like, forgot for a second, or and I was trying to, like, watch, when I watch this again, watch it like I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, very unclear if, these different scenes are even taking place at the same time period. It's so unclear. There were a lot of times where I legitimately wasn't sure if two back-to-back -back scenes were even meant to be happening, like, on the same day, at the same time, if they were weeks apart. Like, I was just like, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think my biggest problem with this movie 
cinematography is great vocal performance is great the story is just not compelling to me and it's (laughs) not just it's not told well it's like none of the events that happen happen because of cause and effect they it's just this event followed that one (laughs) i think but i do think that's really interesting like especially in this time period where everything is just happening at once people are just trying to just be yeah and that's just reflected in this movie yeah i do think oh go ahead i was gonna say we're opening um this song girl which is one of my favorite Beatles songs um which is always has that kind of like lilting kind of um feel that like when, especially when they're singing like girl together it's like, kind of mm. like you're sighing while you're singing i just think it's you know cool stylistic choice but we're introduced to well we're not introduced to him but this person is jute um our protagonist or like main guy he's yeah. played by jim sturgis who's been in other things like the other bolin girl 21 cloud atlas 23 giving us very hey there delilah plain white tees energy interesting i was getting strong john mayer vibes and i was not a fan okay okay you didn't like it um i no 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 i like jim sturgis like i think he's a generally talented actor i think his vocal performances were good but like the only thing i could see especially when he was specifically singing like when he was singing girl and then later on in another song that he was singing it's something about the combination of his appearance and his voice that I was just like, mm, John Mayer, not loving it. But like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's Jude, yeah. our main guy. Yeah, um, so he's a uh, little sad, listless. Um, we get a montage. Uh, so he's like, he's like walking along the beach. Uh, we hear Helter Skelter sort of playing in the background and like a Sung montage of like- Sung by Dana Fucus, who plays Sadie. Yes, and also sings it later in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, and we Incredible. get a montage of like various like riot events playing out. Um, so we're learning that this is, you know, of course, 1960s. This is taking place during like the Vietnam War. Um, so a lot of like, so there are a lot of uh, like war protests, riots, etc., going on, and that's kind of setting the sort of cultural backdrop. Mm-hmm. for this entire between movie. like that civil rights movement yeah um people just generally being dickheads mm-hmm. yeah that was most of the 60s correct yeah. um welcome to the 60s <laughs> oh hairspray um and helter skelter is see... like an anthem for like a lot of that like kind of time but it was co-opted by um Along with other tracks with the White Album, Helter Skelter was interpreted by cult leader Charles Manson as a message predicting interracial war in the U.S. of A. Interesting. I mean, like, not far off, but interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was interesting because, um, oh, also, I know we're going to talk about the Beatles more later, um, but specifically, Paul McCartney was inspired to write Helter Skelter after reading an interview um, which described their like signal, uh, their single "I Can See for Miles" as the loudest, rawest, dirty song the Who had ever recorded. Um, so McCartney wrote "Helter Skelter" to have the most raucous vocal, the loudest drums. Um, oh, interesting. One one of the things I like about the Beatles, the people would be like, "Oh, they're just doing this," and we're like, "We'll fucking show you this," <laughs> and they make a bunch of money off of it. Yeah, they do. They're like, "Oh, they're um, such good guys." 
It's like, let's do a bunch of drugs. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I do, I do appreciate the way they kind of like experiment with a lot of their music, and they yeah. did a lot of, um, a lot of innovation with like the genres of like classical, classical music, classical rock, and um, like just traditional pop at the time. Um, so Dirty it's pop. definitely really cool, like the way they played, the way they played with their sound a lot. Um, so then we kind of transition scenes. Um, we see like a dual sort of prom going on. So on one side, we had this like middle upper class society um, in like clearly New England, uh, America uh, prom. <laughs> so clearly. <laughs> so clearly New England. Um, and then on the other side, uh, like back alley Liverpool prom where like everyone is like, grunge or goth or somewhere in between and i'm kind of here for it they're probably so much more fun i definitely (laughs) am leaning one type of prom Mm -hmm. um but we're like see in the kind of like more prissy uh one (laughs) we are we see uh evan rachel wood's character lucy um who i mean jude hey jude lucy lucy in the sky with diamonds like all these characters are like Named different after songs. songs yeah um but evan rachel wood also been in things like practical magic 13 the wrestler westworld in the newest like mockumentary movie we are the al yankovic story she plays madonna i haven't seen it but now i oh. have to because she is such an incredible she's such a beautiful voice. Voice. she is so much fun it's just her seeing her voice... in a comedy with like her vocal prowess it's just I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Her voice is such, like, a rich, full tone that is just so beautiful to listen to. Um, we see her and then her boyfriend that's in the army going to be deployed. Her, her boyfriend that I don't remember hearing what his name was till like, um, when the movie was almost over. Yeah, um, correct. But his name is, oh, come on, Daniel, uh, played by Spencer Liff, who also, uh, he's a director and a choreographer. He earned two Emmy nominations for Outstanding Choreography for So You Think You Can Dance. And that's cool. That's cool. We also see Jude's girlfriend, who is credited as Jude's Liverpool Jude's... girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah. get a name. Uh, Lisa Dwyer Hogg, uh, also been in things like Accessible Risk and The Fall. Um, but we're just kind of, they definitely could have done a better job setting up that, who these people are. Yes. <laughs> I, like, I had such, the only way I was really able to take coherent notes at the beginning was I, uh, I had the songs list pulled up on my phone. And so I just went over to the cast list and I had to look for all of their character names. I was like, I don't, I don't know what your name is. Um, yeah. like, so we're seeing all this. Yeah. yeah. We see but, all this back and forth, uh, during the song, hold me tight. Yes. Which is a yeah. fun song. This is a fun song, um, and it makes perfect sense for like a prom scene. I do think the this musical I think goes back and forth with how well the songs are incorporated into the narrative. Um, this song I think is one that works very very well with this mm-hmm. scene. Um, it's one of few, however, in my opinion. Although I do think that for the nature of this musical, like having the characters' names match some of their songs just makes logical sense. Um, And it's a very like easy way to to integrate the songs more into the narrative. So I appreciate that they at least tried. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so then after we get through, oh, do you have any notes on Hold Me Tight? I don't really. It was There's fine. some proms and some dancing. Indeed. Um, so then we transition over to the shipyard. Um, we see like this big ship being repaired um, and we see Jude again. So we see that he is one of the um, like ship shipyard worker people um, who uh, it does kind of come up later. So it's important to know they are exempt from the draft for the Vietnam War. Um, presumably because their services are more critically needed uh, in the shipyard, and that supports the war effort as well. So we see him, uh, he just, Get his you know, last gets his payment, pay, heads home. Which is, like, yeah. fun little note, the guy's giving his pay. Um, when he's, like, talking, is like, oh, I'm gonna have no money when I retire. He was like, when I'm 64, that's a Beatles song. Oh, that's funny. And it's actually one of my favorite Beatles songs, When I'm 64. It's fun. There's great clarinet, bass clarinet action in that song. Love that for you. Me too. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he, he heads home. Uh, we see him talking to his mom. Um, and we find out that he's going to be leaving soon to go to America. Yeah. America. So he says goodbye to his mom. Um, we see him again with his girlfriend. And she's like, oh, well, you know don't forget me, like, write every day, like, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, yeah. Um, but also, Bet. they both kind of acknowledge that, like, mm, we'll see how this goes. It might, it might work out. It might not. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so we hear the song All My Loving as he's, as he's leaving, I believe. Yes, and it's very much like, I'll miss you. But then we transfer transfer transition well we don't transition we are now in america <laughs> yeah we just uh, go to america we're in um it was uh we're filmed in dayton ohio fun fact and we get to the song i want to hold your hand and we see this cheer high school cheerleader singing it um just like she's yearning so she, you know she's gay um yeah. even if they don't <laughs> see it just like because it first shows uh there's like a football player and it. a cheerleader and then the but, football player leaves and she's just looking at the cheerleader yeah and i'm like and i was like yeah, mm, not a little Pride baby Love um it. so this uh that's prudence um mm-hmm. love which prudence. i love that name i love I the too. name prudence yeah i love also just her character is just great yeah i also appreciate that they didn't gender bend the lyrics um even though ironically like even though they do in probably, another song though yeah even though it probably would have made it make more sense in the (laughs) narrative because presumably she identifies as a woman at least that's how we understand her character um but i do as as far as like people know that this is a cover you know what i mean like i appreciate that Um, and i i I really like her i do really like her cover but again i like this version better than the original (laughs) (laughs) i do think it's interesting because this version is so much slower oh but I, I, I like that because I think that makes more, like the original, this was one of the songs that I listened to, like kind of preparing for this episode. The original is very like upbeat, just like, oh, I have a I fun like, little I crush on you. you. I just want to hold your hand. Like you just yeah. seem like a cool person. Um, this one is like, I am in love with you. Please God, look at me. Um, which I think makes more sense for her being a queer coded character. Not even like explicitly queer character. Yeah. And I think that's just like really fun and when I think jukebox musicals do things well, it's when they like take a song and it's not, okay, we're singing this song. It's not karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. It's more transformative. Yeah. They definitely adapted um, a lot of these songs to work 
well within the movie even if they don't necessarily work well in the story they work well in the film which i really appreciate like i think i do think they did a really good job of making these songs sound good within the film yeah and so she uh prudence is played by tv corpio who's also been limitless uh the rookie client list love she does an incredible job in this movie i think she was does that just that gay journey super well yeah yeah so then we switch again um and we see jude is hitchhiking um this is the and prudence and oh yeah prudence is transfer we see prudence is like leaving her town and if you weren't sure before then you see what she's wearing and then you're like okay yeah she's definitely gay gay Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um and it's, so I think that's I think that's interesting what they do because all these characters are independently just a bunch of things and so there was yeah. just you know going about their lives and there's many different times they could have met each other but they don't yeah. but eventually do it's it's a little like serendipity kind of yeah which I think is interesting for like this kind of like group coalescence story um, that they're telling. We see Jude gets to, he's not, like, going off to, like, work and things like that. Like, he told his girlfriend. um, And I think told his mom as well. um, But he went off to go searching for his father. Yeah, so he found out that he works at Princeton. At first, he assumes that he's a professor. Um, He asks a student, who actually turns out to be Max, um... He asks a student, he's like, that dude's not a professor, uh, but he is right over there. He's a custodian. Um, so he goes and talks to him and it's like, hey, dude, uh, I'm your son. And the guy's just like, nah, bro, that's nope. Um, but then we transition. Um, we see them like talking it out and uh, his dad like does accept him. Um, the He says, Jude says the saddest line at the end. To me, the saddest line at the end of this scene, he's like, I don't want your love. I'm just here so the both of us, like, I don't want your love. I don't want anything from you. I'm just here so the both of us know each other exist. And I'm just like, that's so real. Uh, and also, my heart hurts uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, his dad is played by Robert Clohesse, who's also been in like, I mean, um so many things but a couple are yeah. oz and blue bloods um but then we did meet max kerrigan uh who's played by uh, joe anderson who's been in the gray the crazies he was also in the twilight um breaking dawn part two but something that i did think it was interesting though because a lot of the characters names it's like very obvious like what beatles songs they're from but i never knew like a max so I was like looking up yeah. a bunch of things. So there's a song called Maxwell's Silver Hammer. And the song is about a student named Maxwell Edison who commits murders with a hammer. Ooh. And the dark lyrics are like disguised with like very like upbeat sound. And it's supposed to, uh, uh, M- uh, McCartney described it as like symbolic of like the downfalls of life being in quote, my analogy for when something goes wrong out of the blue and it so often does. So I was like, maybe that was the choice for the character's name or maybe that's a coincidence but i thought that would at least fit yeah that does seem interesting seems like it would fit yeah um so max and his friends are terrorizing innocent people by shooting just cracking open some cold ones with the boys raven and terrorizing innocent civilians yes raven 
and remember when you were in property. college although yeah private property is theft but when you were in college and you were just like you know it's like hang out with the guys <laughs> my hanging out with the guys uh as far as i recall never involved property destruction or vandalism well I've carved, my, I've carved my initials in a tree before. <laughs> Never stolen a cone or a sign? Never. Never. I would never, Campbell. No. I'm, my mother listens to this. I'm better than that. Yeah, we both know. <laughs> we both know how um, much better so, you are. Yeah, so they get yelled at and then go back to the room. Max and his friends get chased off and Jude's like smoking and like lets him in to like where he's staying at first. And then they're like, uh, oh, you saved me. You know what? And then how they go did, back how to... did it go? And it was just like, meh. And then it was like, let's drink. Cool. Um, yeah, so they, they all go back to Max's place and party. Um, we get into the song with a little help from my friends. Have you heard this um, song before? No, not to my knowledge. Interesting. This is uh, one of the ones I'd like. Maybe in like some like commercial or something. Um, that oh, I, I mean, maybe... probably. Like I know I've heard "Help" in a commercial before, but like only in a commercial. So it's. I mean, it's possible I've I physically heard it, but I didn't know the song. If that makes sense. And I will say though, this song went on for way too long. Oh, absolutely. I was like, we get it. You're drinking. Is... You're like golfing off of each other's like mouths or whatever or whatever guys <laughs> do. Um, it's. You did not need this amount of time to show guys just being drunk and yeah, just like we kind of got know, the, hanging out. Being we got stupid. the picture when they were shooting golf balls off the roof first. Yeah, um. <laughs> they could have just gone to the bar. Yeah, and woken um, up the next day, and then they don't need to be like hungover or drunk dancing in the morning in some building. Like that yeah. wasn't needed. Yeah, so they just get drunk and high and continue to terrorize more people until they all pass out. Um, and then kind of pick back up in the morning. Um, so as, then, you know, as one does. As one does, We've all yeah. been there. So then we switch back over. Um, we see Lucy is at school with her friends, um, and she's kind of like, I don't understand people that want to have biological kids. And honestly, girl, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she gets a letter from her army BF, Daniel. He's coming home. And we get into the song, It I'm Won't Be I'm coming long. home. Blaze to blaze forever. Uh, and we get into the song, It Won't Be Long, um, which I, I really liked this. I think, yeah. like, I really like her performance of this. Her voice is clear as a bell and so beautiful. Um, and I it's do think piercing. it works really well. I do think it works really well within the narrative. Um, and, like, I, the only thing that I don't really like about these early songs, even though they fit the story, they don't transition into them well, right? No. Like, there's not, like, the lead-up music, or, like, it's just, like, they kind of just switch into the song, and I'm just like, I'm not a fan of that. But the vocal performance was good, so I'm willing to forgive it for now. And then, yeah, we just see her kind of, like, Whatever she's doing in high school through our classes, uh, she's straight up balling in gym class. Um, she just <laughs> is, you know, missing. We're really seeing Lucy, like, initially is being depicted and, like, characterized as, like, 
her identity and personality is that she's with her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, that's that's all we're seeing to Lucy. That's all she yeah. cares about. And they do expand on that later, and I very much appreciate that they do. Yeah, I, I think this is what sets up, this song sets up her character sets, arc. Yeah, it does set that up a lot. Um, and I want to be clear, at this point in the movie, so... After like after we get through the song, she's like running, uh, or like they're out, of the, they're getting out of school, um, and we see Jude and Max uh, waiting by Max's car, like at the bottom at at the uh, road up outside of the school um, to pick her up. And I want to be clear: at this point in the movie, I was so unclear on who these characters were, what was going on, who her boyfriend was, that I thought Max was her boyfriend. Turns out he's her brother. So And I kept on forgetting that. if they were brother a brother and sister or cousins. Honestly. <laughs> because well, it's apparently also, the parents are only her parents, so maybe yeah, they are cousins. That doesn't help either because he's credited as Max Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. But her parents are credited as Lucy's parents. Yeah. And she's not credited as Lucy Kerrigan. She's credited as Lucy. And there's Grandma Kerrigan. And then there's, like, Uncle Teddy. It's just Uncle Teddy. Played by Billy Irwin. Um, she does say brother. It is made clear explicitly, but much later. Much later in the movie. Um, so they, we find out that it's Thanksgiving. And things get tense in the family. So Indeed. at the dinner table, um, the, the people that are talking... We have Dylan Baker, who plays Lucy's father, Linda Emmon, who plays Lucy's mother, Lynn Cohen, who plays Grandma Kerrigan, and Billy Irwin, who plays Uncle Teddy. And they're just kind of like, the dinner is about Max and how he's like not doing well in school. He's like, I don't even want to go to school anymore. And they're like, your dad pays so much money for you to be there. You should be like doing better, blah, 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 blah. And Max is like, I don't care. So, but Max, no, Max does make a really good point of like, why are you so much more concerned with what I'm going to do than yo, who I yes. am? What, which is what, a I wrote down the exact quote. Uh, it's uh, fight the parents of Max is what mm -hmm. do what you do defines who you are, and Max is like who you are defines what you do. Yeah, that's fun. Great Thanksgiving holiday discussion. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. So Jude and Lucy, they went outside, had a chat. Max comes out and it's just like, let's blow this popsicle stand. We need to get out of here. Do we they all, it's like, here. what? They must be so bored when I'm not here. What do they talk about when I'm not here? And Lucy's like, you. they talk about you. <laughs> um, so they all go bowling. And while they're there, we get into the song, I've Just Seen a Face. Which I have to say. Jude. It's my second favorite bowling scene musical song that we've done on this podcast. Second to Grease 2? Yeah. Nice. I was Let's thinking about uh, a score tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically the song is, a, well, the song is not about this, but within the scene, the song is about how Jude is like falling in love with Lucy. Um, and at one point, Max is like, she's got a boyfriend. He's like, that's cool. I've got a girlfriend. And it's like, I mean, yikes, but also you're in a different continent and you kind of have an understanding. So I guess, okay, but yeah. still kind of yikes. Yeah. yeah. But I really do. I like this scene in particular because it's one of the like, 
this is like the last song where everyone is just careless and like hopeful and free. Like yeah. this, like after after this is definitely a tone shift. Definitely goes downhill very yes. quickly. Uh, but there, I love like the different colors in the bowling alley. They decide to like you know what let's let's just go to New York because Jude yep. is like here in America illegally and he's like yep. I'm down for whatever. Yeah, so they go and tour an apartment, um, which is like a uh, home that's owned by this singer named Sadie, who has a couple of roommates, so she's renting out a bunch of the rooms. She's awesome. Amazing. She's the coolest. They Okay, so she's played by Dana Fucus, who is uh, a musician, a singer. Mm. She's... Performed in blues clubs, and she met John Diamond. They formed the Dana Fucus Band. They released Lonely for a Lifetime in 2003. Um, she's been compared to Janis Joplin, and she actually acted as a singer in I Love, Janis. An off-Broadway whole... musical about Joplin that ran from 2001 to 2003. She has, like, so much music. It's all incredible. She is such a good actor, which I think comes... Oh, yes. I think that, like, definitely comes in line with people that are just, like, have such a stage presence... Yeah. And, like, they can embody something super well. And, I honestly, she didn't, like, Sadie is so freaking cool. She's so fun. She already is that cool. Um, But she's also been in was... the mortician, oh. but she's also an ambassador for the Jed Foundation, which is an organization that tries oh, to cool. prevent suicide and help teens with their emotional health. That's awesome. She is so cool. <laughs> she's so cool. And, yeah, like, because you can definitely tell, like, some of these, because, again... This movie is, is about, like, Beatles songs and stuff like that. So there's some characters you can tell are inspired by certain people. And I was kind of wondering if her character was sort of inspired by Janis Joplin. Um, because the, the style of, of, like, her style of singing, her style of music is at least very reminiscent. Like, I've never been a Janis Joplin, like, fan. But the music of hers that I've heard, it's very reminiscent of that. Yeah. And so her, like, this song that, like, she's, the name Sadie, there's a song called Sexy Sadie. From um, the Beatles' 1968 double album, The Beatles, also known as their White Album. But yeah, so she's she's been renting out these rooms. Um, she, they go to tour the apartment. They decide basically to live there. And they're so excited. They're so excited. Yeah, they're they're ecstatic. It's she's just also so fun with them. She was like, "You seem too clean cut to be over here." But anyway, if you got the money, that's fine. She was like, yep. "That's me, out of bounds," and. Uh, what did she say? She was like, uh, also, do you know what you look like? And they were like, yeah. And she was like, good, because there's no mirror in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Which I thought was really funny. Um, so and they're just then... like, at this point, it's just like, okay, awesome. They're like starting their new free lives. They're in New York City. And yeah. everything's going to be great. Wrong. This is the because 60s. We... So many terrible things happen. So many bad things happen. Uh, so we switch scenes again. We're back with Lucy. Um, we see that they've, uh, or she unfurls her, well, she looks really sad first. She looks really sad. We're like, oh, someone died. She unfurls her hand and we see Daniel's dog tags. Um, clearly indicating he has now become a casualty of war. Um, he's passed away. And uh, obviously she's very sad. Uh, we get into that. This scene is kind of melded with scenes of like riots. Um, I believe it's in the Detroit. Detroit riots. Yeah, it is the Detroit yeah. riots. It's melded with the Detroit riots. Um, and we hear 
let it be playing a cappella in the background. And this scene is the beginning of, in my opinion, the beginning of the songs just wildly no longer fitting the narrative. Why did they pick this song? And why did they have a little black kid sing it? Why was this the song? Like, I just, I, like, this entire scene, I was like, I'm not sure. Well, it's this because, is the well, most because Let It Be is like, song. I, what do you mean? To me, the song Let It Be is more about, um, like, sometimes sad things happen. And sometimes you have to learn to be able to 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 let it be like to just to just be able to take that um and still find peace and contentment and all that type of stuff which is not a message i would have overlaid over the detroit riots like it's like it's I there are some things that, that you don't <laughs> yeah but i thought it was more so that they're trying to it's not working it's not mm. succeeding when they're just like oh it times of strife and sorrow and troubles like mary mother like sings me whatever the lyrics yeah. are um like let it be let it be they're just like trying to like be okay when they're not and this is just how they're yeah. expressing that and, and i i that standpoint i, 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 I think it if i think okay i think it makes perfect sense to play right at this point in lucy's story right I don't think it makes sense to play at this point in Jojo's story. Like maybe if they had, if they had specifically, if they had already shown the scene of the Detroit riots and then it switched to Lucy getting the dog tags and us seeing the funeral of the little boy. Um, Jojo's brother. That, that, yeah, that, that passed. Um, I didn't even know. I assumed he, that he was some sort of relation, but they he's never credited as they never specifically said it. He never talked about it. And I think it's yeah. interesting because I don't think okay, so Jojo, um, he is played by Martin Luther. Is he meant to be Jimi Hendrix? Yes. Um okay. but he's played by Martin Luther, um, who is just like an amazing musician. He's collaborated with extensively with like the Roots and Cody Chestnut. Um, they he like taught himself how to play the drums and the piano um and he just like ex did a lot of experimentations with like funk mm -hmm. um he like blends gospel and rock in r&b music uh the Ooh, first release of his solo album the calling in 1999 that was followed by his independent release of his second album rebel soul music in 2004 on his own label rebel sound Rec soul records and his third album love is the hero was released in 2012 um, I don't believe he is singing at all in Let It Be, though. Jojo is not. The yeah. little boy, his younger brother yeah. sings. Played by Timmy Mitchum, um, who's also yeah. been August Rush, Law and Order, SVU, and Criminal Intent, who also does an amazing job. Amazing voice. Does a very good job, yeah. Like, his voice is beautiful. I think my, I think my problem is more that the song, to me, fits more of a, like, funeral vibe. Like, it fits, like, it would fit over the scene just of his funeral. Yeah. And of Lucy getting the dog tags. But to me, it doesn't, like, the, like, the Detroit riots were race riots. Yes. Like, it, yeah. And to me, like, it's just, like, seeing, hearing that song play over the imagery of the Detroit riots was just very, uh, very discordant yeah. to me. Like, I was just like, those two things do not go together. And I understood what they were trying to do, mm. but I was like, those two things don't go together. Even if it's um, uh, also, JoJo's little brother's perspective, because he's the only one singing at that point. So he's just trying to, like, dissociate. And then that's the tie into his I'll funeral. Give you, 
I'll give you that. But at that point, I didn't know that he was that, that oh, yeah, scene was even yeah. important because yeah. because also the scene comes out of nowhere out of like nowhere. there's been no black people in the movie yet <laughs> and like and so you just see the scene of the Detroit Rise and this little black boy singing and I I literally wrote down what does this have to do with the rest of the movie and I was like oh he's his little brother okay yeah <laughs> yeah um I can see it from that perspective of like him specifically but. I still don't. It could have love been it, done a lot better. But it's better. <laughs> yeah. I still don't love it, but it's better. Um, um, but so we then, also yeah. have uh, the like main gospel singer, Carol Woods. Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh. She's my also goodness. been Third Her Watch, The Practice, voice. The Honeymooners, The Good Wife. This is like. Like on the spectrum of Beatles covers, this is like toppity top her singing yeah. this amazing 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 um there's a lot of other choir singers um i'm just gonna list them off because this this version of let it be is just so good it's like transcendent yes it really is okay gospel choir karen allen ronald blackman eric justin gaines marlene mason tanisha mason Cheryl McClurkin, Donald A. McClurkin Sr., Lorna McClurkin, Olivia McClurkin, Terrell, Terrell Middleton, Jada Scott, Merle Smith, Jarrell Wharton, Devin Warwood, Alyssa Woodside, Christina Woodside. Good job. Very, very, very good performance. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So we see uh, Jojo at the funeral, um, and that's when I was like, oh, that's what the scene was for, to introduce a new character. Yeah. Um, so he comes to New York City, and he has, as his battle anthem, walking into the city, come together. And I love this version of it. I don't think the... I only think the song choice makes sense in terms of the, like feeling of the song like you know what i mean i I don't agree lyrics make any sense but i think the vibe of the song totally fits jojo's introduction so that's something that's really interesting about this movie because and we were talking about this before we started recording so i'm going to say my example again but a lot of musicals (laughs) like when they're singing songs they're like you know what's like happening there's not much to interpret it killed my father is exactly what you said uh and so happy father's day um and it was (laughs) That's why we're recording. Um, And it's just, like, very clear, like, what's going on. But with a lot of Beatles music, it's just very ambiguous. It's, like, not direct (laughs) what they're singing about. There's a lot of, it's, I mean, it's art. It's different interpretations can be taken from it. So it is hard to, like, have something to move a plot along when the song isn't going to fit really anything and i do think that's the problem of this jukebox musical is that like jukebox musicals in general have like struggled to make the song properly fit the narrative except for mama mia but, you did a great job we love except you. for mama mia <laughs> um even even more so here because exactly what you were saying um to the point that like a lot of the songs in here like after the first after the first like third of this movie, um, really the songs don't fit the narrative like at all, except like one or two exa- like one or two scenes, um, and it feels in many cases more like a soundtrack 
than a musical. I think the thing that makes particularly this scene fitting in a musical is the visuals. And that's what I love about this scene. Um, the scene is so visually appealing. I almost forgot that the song didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like, they have like all the people in the streets are like singing this anthem like around him and he's just like striding through which like already like like character development off the bat right like you uh, or characterization rather like jojo's jojo's character is described visually before you ever hear him speak and i actually really love that mm -hmm. because you get a very like i do think this movie does a very good job of making it clear who all of their characters are yes um, more so than a lot of not only musicals but like movies movies in general yeah they do very good characterization here um which i i do think is 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 a feather in their cap basically for like all the other things they have to kind of struggle Call macaroni. um and the uh the dude who like sings the chorus, I don't know. If he, he sings has, all okay. of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because figured, there's there's like three different men that you see. It's all the same person. Yeah. So that okay. is uh, a very accomplished singer, Joe Cocker, who plays just all of them, especially when he's like that homeless guy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Such yeah. a uh, like powerful. Like, yes, in vocal and his introduction. voice is perfect for this type of song. Yes. So, okay, yeah. so his first album actually featured a recording of with a little help from my friends from the Beatles, which brought oh, yeah. him to like stardom. Like, it was, yeah, the, it was amazing. The song reached number one in the UK in 1968, it became a staple of his many live shows, including with Woodstock. Um, and was also known as the theme song for the late 1980s American TV series, The Wonder Years, which takes place during this time period, um, which mm. my family loves that show so much. Um, but here's just like some of awards for Joe Cocker, because like I can get into like a lot of his music, but he mm -hmm. won the 25th Annual Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocal with Jennifer Warrens for Up Where We Belong in 1983. Aww. He was the 1988 song. nominee for uh, Grammy for Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance. It's 1989, 90, and 91 nominees for uh, nominee for Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. 1993 nominee Brit Award for Best British Male, which apparently is an award. Um, <laughs> just just best. Amazing. Um, 1994 honorary doctorate from Sheffield Hallam University. 
Um, Leary wanted to run for governor of California in the following year's election and asked John Lennon to write like a campaign song um, based on the slogan, come together, join the party. Um, the resulting chant was only a line long, come together and join the party. And Lennon promised to finish and record the song. He later recalled uh, Lennon giving him a tape of the piece, but the two didn't interact again. But he used this phrase and this kind of idea from the Leary campaign to compose the song for Abbey Road. And oh. it was kind of like based on the 1956 single You Can't Catch Me by Chuck Berry, which there was actually a big mm-hmm. lawsuit about that. Um, and so it was, uh, began as an up-tempo blues number. Um, he like incorporates a lot of like quick phrases. And these lyrics were inspired by his relationship with Yoko Ono and were delivered quickly like in the Barry song. Um, and the author, Peter Doggett, wrote that each phrase passes too quickly to be understood at first hearing, and the sound is as important as the meaning. I'm curious how quickly it's being spoken or sung. You heard the song. As in, like, you're like, what did they say? What does that mean? But we're already moved on to the next part. Oh. Is what he meant by that. Wait, like, they did that in the movie, too? Like, they did that bit in the movie? No, no, it's not, like, bit. It's just, like, it's just uh, kind of a succession of, like, bunch of different phrases that may not necessarily have to do with each other, but they just keep mm-hmm. on going so you don't have, like, time to be like, oh, what was that about? But now I have to pay attention to this part of the song. And it's just more so the 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 meaning of the song was the, the how it sounded in total was just as important as the meaning of the song. Yeah. Just kind of like how you like got the vibe even though the lyrics weren't there. I gotcha. Okay. That was like I an just intent of job. I just always find it interesting what speed of lyric delivery people consider too fast to be understood. This because was that also very the much... 1960s. Yeah, I was going to say that very much changed. Like, this I've isn't noticed, Busta like, Rhymes, example, Raven. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, people, for example, who didn't grow up listening to rap find rap very difficult to understand, whereas like most rap songs I can understand, myself and a lot of other people who listen to rap, yeah. can understand on like a first listen through. Yeah. Um, you just might not internalize all of them. So that, that's why I was asking. Yeah. But that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, so we get through we get through Come Together, love the scene. Um, we, also... Joe Cocker as, like, the pimp. Very successful. Very successful. There's so (laughs) many women. um, It it literally reminded me of the brothel scene from Aladdin for a little bit, especially when they were up on the balcony. And they were just, like, I love, like, and they were, like, dancing in the background. And I was just, like, get it, girl. Yeah. Um, Loved them. Uh, So then JoJo ends up staying in the same house as Jude and Max with Sadie. Sadie's looking for a guitarist. Um, Yes, um, and we see Prudence, uh, who I wrote as the cheerleader from before, because I still didn't know her name. Yeah. Um, Prudence comes in through the window, um, and they're all like, where did you come from? Uh, but then she ends up staying there, too. Um, yeah, she so says, it was like, they... where are you from? From nowhere. She's from Ohio, so. Which mean? Sorry, Alex. <laughs> honest <laughs> uh so then we kind of skip forward a little bit um and stacy and we see stacy jojo and her band are 
not Stacy, Sadie. Well, I was going to say, especially with the introduction to like Jojo and Prudence, like with this main cast now, um, Jojo's saying like, Jojo's saying like how many songs he knows in his head, in his book. And he's saying music is the only thing that makes sense anymore. And that's really the Mm. only kind of nod or um, like direct recognition of like his past. Yeah. And then for Prudence, the reason she like climbed into their building, I don't know from where, we didn't see him fire escapes or anything like that. Uh, but she was also in a very abusive relationship with a man yeah. kind of thing. With a man. So, again, there's yeah. just these people coming together, no pun intended, <laughs> from, you know, devastating, very traumatic places and just, like, yeah. coming together to, like, you know, really figure out who they are. Well, importantly, the characters of color are coming from traumatic backgrounds. The other people are kind of just coming. <laughs> yes. Um, so we see, yeah, so, uh, Sadie recruits Jojo for his, uh, for her band, and, um, then we skip to, we see them giving a concert at a dive bar, um, and they're performing Why Don't We Do It in the Road, and this is such an electric performance (laughs) from Sadie, like, she's just rocking out, and I love it, it's so fun. Prudence is so in love with her. She's obsessed and with her. And so are all of us, collectively. Indeed. Um, Indeed. And then we see um, that Lucy is there, there and, visit. like, really yeah. telling... And meets Prudence and, like, yeah. the kind of whole gang. Yeah. And, like, really... Lucy knows that Max has gotten a letter from the government. Yeah. To be drafted. Max doesn't know yet, but just telling Mom's, like... I want to wait to go to college because I want to be with Max. And his mom's like, aren't you with promiscuous dope fiends? And I was like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Do they offer heroin as a solution to go to the army? Maybe. (laughs) They do indeed. Um, So yeah, so they go out to a diner afterwards um, and she gives him his letter. So he reads that he gets drafted. Um, They're proposing all of these ways that he can get out of it. Someone says swallow a cotton ball and it shows up as like a a mask. Yeah. Yeah. It shows up as a mask. I'm not sure if they're going to do x-rays, which they did it. And he still got. Yeah. We, we hear that Jojo went at 17. Yeah. We also like find out here that jude is like doesn't have a visa here he's just like chilling he's just yeah he's just here and you know no one wants max to go so they're really just trying to it's a combination of trying to figure out what alternatives they maybe they have yeah but also trying trying to to get out of jury duty yeah well i've never been asked um which is same i want to so bad we found out jude's an artist Yes, uh, so they're down by the pier. He finds a random burnt stick and sketches like a perfect drawing of her on this on this just wall on the building next to them yeah. in like ten seconds. I was like, sir, what, what is this? Um, and so he's like, oh, like get closer. I have to like get your eyes just right. Mm. And then, then um, my there's a favorite, the wall. my favorite line of the movie. You two scram. <laughs> the worst delivered <laughs> line. I've seen it quite worst some time. Delivered line. You two scram. Um, it was just like, that's 
not how you meant to say it. Nope, sure that's not how a human says that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so, so there's like Running a cop the at the top of the wall. That's It's apparently like a cop building or something. Um, and so there's just like, she's like... No, it's, it's just uh, an abandoned oh. building. Oh, why is there a cop there? Because they have a power with... Over-policing. Yeah, problem. Um, <laughs> they just power... Pro- we don't Fair. have time. Raven. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So Lucy's like, well, before it was just a shitty wall, and now it's it's a work of art. And he's like, well, I'm going to come down there and arrest you. And so then they run away. Easily. Um, Yeah. And we get into the song, If I Fell. Oh, this song is so good. I do really like this song, and the, like specifically the performance. The performance is really um, good. The lyrics are good, because it's like, yeah. If I Fell is like, I love when song titles aren't like complete lyrics. It's fun. Yeah. So then, yeah, Lucy and Jude, they uh, like sing this little song. If I and give they kiss my heart to dance. you, I must be sure you love me more than her. Talking to... I think this is the part that they do, like, gender bend the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which makes more sense because it's them singing to each other as opposed to just, like, Prudence singing. And I, what I really like about this song, when she's singing, you're just, like, right up in her face. Yeah. It's just so like close. But like and she's personal. gorgeous, so it, it works. Yeah, but I, I I thought it was good. Um, yeah. But it's just like she couldn't. This song is very much just like if I allow myself to do this, you better not fucking mess this up, because I've yeah. le- loved before. I'm not trying to get and into he this. Fucking died. I I don't. <laughs> Jesus. Um, not trying to get into none of this shallow shit. If yeah. I trust you, you'd better not fucking run and hide away. Just, I cannot, I cannot take it. I will not allow myself to even, like, the thought of this to happen if yeah. you're like this, dude. So, act fucking right. Yeah. Get your shit together. Now, Kith um, is what I wrote down. And then uh, we switch things again. We see that they, ooh, oh. together. Um, and Max uh, she fell and, like... <laughs> <laughs> Max walks in and like not totally loses his shit, but he's very clearly upset about it. Yeah, I mean, um, if you walked in, it's his little sister. Yeah, but I yeah. don't ever want to see any of my siblings, family members, or friends without clothes on in bed post coitus. That's weird. It's weird. I'm not sure that I would care that much though. Like I've seen my parents naked. I don't think it's like. It's one of those things of, like, would I want to leave the room? Absolutely. But would I be upset about it? Like, nah. I'm very excited for this episode to come out, Raven. (laughs) (laughs) Campbell, do you remember being back in, like, third grade and having, like, music class and learning to play the recorder and, like, hot cross buns? Fun fact. So, you know I know... A lot of wind instruments. I physically was Mm -hmm. not able to play the recorder. My teacher told me just to stand there at the concert. But yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. (laughs) That's so, that's so, that's so sad. It's okay. I can play the bassoon. I've gotten over it. I don't feel bad about it. That's fair, I suppose. Okay, well, we'll we'll move on. Put a pin in Um, that. (laughs) Put put a pin in that. Boop. Um, So, unfortunately enough, uh, there are students all across the country that have never before had a general music education class and 
don't have the ability or the opportunity to access music education um, and get the chance to learn tons of different wind instruments um, or even just the recorder. And that's why we are partnering with Education Through Music, which is an organization that partners with low-income schools in New York City to provide students better access to music education. Also, 53% of New York City schools do not have a music teacher on faculty full-time. So Education Through Music also provides weekly music education by putting qualified music teachers into these schools. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons this is so important is because motivation for learning means motivation for staying in school. And a lot of the students that are able to be involved in these music programs report that they have uh, attended school when they otherwise would have skipped um, or like stayed in school when they otherwise like wouldn't have wanted to stay specifically because they were looking forward to music class or they were looking forward to ensemble um, and, and getting to learn uh, specifically about music. And you can support and learn more at p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. That's p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Nailed out. Do you have an instrument that you've neglected and now it hates you? Do you have too much money and think, hey, this can go to a good place? Neither applies to me, but I want to talk to you about the Dodario Foundation. They believe in the transformative power of music and that mentoring and building communities through music can positively affect social change. 100% of every dollar raised goes directly to support efforts to get kids involved in community music programs, acquire and maintain instruments, provide college scholarships, and support new innovation in music education. You can learn more and donate at www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That's www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. Hey there, listeners. Pop quiz. Who was your favorite teacher in school? Did it happen to be someone who inspired a movie? Did that movie later change the world? Because that's exactly what happened with Mr. Holland's opus, the story of the profound effect a dedicated music teacher had on generations of students. The composer for the film, Michael Kamen, later started the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation in 1996 as his commitment to the future of music education. Today, the foundation works with schools nationwide to audit their music education programs, supply quality instruments, train teachers on basic instrument repair, and even offer customized consulting to make sure the school's program fits their students' needs. The impact of this foundation now ensures that hundreds of thousands of kids across the country are granted access to learn and play music in school, keeping music education alive and well. If you're interested in supporting their mission, you can donate online, over the phone, or even while you shop Amazon or eBay. Visit mhopus.org slash donate to learn more. Anyway, uh, go get that dick, girl. Yeah, Max um, has so got a date with good old Uncle Sam. He's got a Sam. date with the U.S. government. This, so he goes this into the recruitment site. So, so cool. good. It is. So the visuals. Oh, my god. I want goodness. you. She's so heavy. It's just like assembly line building, inspecting people, building soldiers. And all the, all the soldiers, all the G.I. Joes have that like Giga Chad meme face. Yes. And it's like, it's it's obviously like they, like I I presume they're wearing masks, but the, like they're intentionally done in a sort of cartoonish caricaturish way, um, which I think is really, really smart. Um, And because it makes it, it makes it obviously like 
it's it's a it's a very like almost doctor who like being turned into a cyberman you know like that type of vibe um and they're very like robotic they're all in like the you know green infantry like uniform um, and i will be brave and in I, saying it musicals should have more assembly lines more conveyor belts yeah absolutely it was so cool it was so cool and i do um the soldiers were like godzilla like sure going into vietnam whole like carrying the statue of liberty yeah that was so i'm cool. not sure i'm not sure what the like original song by the beatles was like meant to be about but i do think it's interesting that they chose this song like um and like the u.s uh like the the war propaganda was all like the we want you or like your country needs you and like that's the name of the song that they use um so the choreography is super super cool um and then yeah we get into we get into like the group of recruits uh well not necessarily recruits at this point but the group of 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 cadets i guess i'll say um carrying the statue of liberty and uh we get like they cross it with like she's so heavy um and I like how this is like one of the first scenes where the imagery you're it's very clearly not real world like there's a lot of places where they incorporate like animations and visuals and stuff like that um that are very abstract um and this is like the first place that that starts and it's just so like just so visually appealing yeah and I was like where was this artistry in the storytelling yeah, this, I mean, but, this song, what me. it means, um, it's about just, like, a man in despair. Um, the She's So Heavy uh, what was, quote-unquote, about Yoko Ono when it gets down to it. Like oh. she said, when you're drowning, you don't say, I would be incredibly pleased if someone would have the foresight to notice me drowning and come and help me. You just scream. Oh, that's interesting. <sighs> um Prudence is fully in love with Sadie at this point. I'm so depressed. Um, this poor little Gaby, she just wants someone to love her. Um, and she ends up locking herself in a room because she sees Sadie uh, talking with another guy or girl, I think. Was it with JoJo? Yeah, she was. Yes, that's what it was. She was staring. She was like staring at them from like afar. The side roof, basically. Yeah. Um, ends up locking herself like in a room and we get into the song Dear Prudence as everyone is like singing to her to try to get her to come out yeah. of the closet basically. <laughs> um, I really love the way their voices mix like the harmony that they form together is just so beautiful like they like the way their voices all balance off of each other as they switch yeah. lines and like switch parts of the song it just works it just all works especially with there. each still with their own character singing it yes i thought it was a really good yeah. job and so this song was um was like a linda mccartney partnership it was written in uh rishikesh during the group's trip to india in the 19 and early 1968 it was actually Inspired by Mia Farrow, the actress, uh, her sister, mm. Prudence Farrow, who would become obsessive, like, about meditating and while practicing Maharashi Mahesh Yogi. And so this would be, like, George Harrison and John Lennon, like, attempted to, like, coax Prudence Farrow out of seclusion, which, like, led them to write this song. That makes sense, and that also makes sense with the way it's applied in the movie, too. Um, 
so they do get her to come out. I think it's cool how they sort of transform the apartment, um, the visual effects. It was like a Michelle Branch music video. Like sky. It was like a what? Michelle Branch music video, and you're everywhere to me. When I close my oh, eyes, yes. it's you. I can see that. Very early 2000s, like, pop, yeah. just kind of, like, upside down, bouncing off the ceiling, like, with the cloud rooms yeah. and things like that. I thought it was fun. Very much so. And, like, so during, during the, while the song is still playing or they're still going, um, they all attend a, they get Prudence out of the closet, they all attend a war protest, like, together. Um, and I love the chant we hear during the protest is, Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids will you kill today? Which is like, Hell yeah. damn. I mean, yeah, listen, if it gets a reaction. Um, so after the protest, Lucy goes to meet with the protest organizers. Um, she meets uh, one of the main leaders of the protest, who we later learn is named Paco. <laughs> much later um, we learn that his name is much later. Paco. Um, and... Uh, we see that Sadie goes off to a meeting with a like record label manager who, um, you know, trying to like promote her business, like trying to like make make more moves yeah. in the music world. Um, and then presumably, like she gets invited Bill. to a party with like a bunch of other artists, huh? Bill, Bill, Is, oh. yeah. Um, presum- yeah, she gets invited to a party with, with a bunch of other like music industry like bigwigs, sort of. Um, so she brings the entire gang, you know, the entire posse along with her. Max, Jojo, or Max, Jude, and Lucy all drink some of the punch, which they note is pink. Um, and we later find out is very obviously spiked with something. Um, I want to say maybe LSD yeah, or... Yeah. 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 <laughs> some sort yeah, of psychedelic, yeah. some sort of hallucinogen. Yeah. Very because, obvious. Because like, yeah. this this home, um, it belongs to Luna Park, played by Ching Valdez-Aran, who's also been Blindspot, Sex and City, A Simple Hairstory. And the person they're all trying to see to, like, make these things happen is this, like, artist, creative Dr. Robert, who is played by Bono of U2. Um, yes. You know Fame. Bono. Um, he... From when he they has, like, downloaded 20s... their album onto everyone's um, iPhone. That was so aggressive <laughs> and non-consensual. <laughs> Despite that, he still has like over twenty Grammy awards. Um, he's in, he like was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two thousand five, and it's just very much oh hey children, buckle the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I. What are these lyrics? Oh okay. Well, very... first the song is Blue Jay Way when they're just kind of like. Oh yeah. Introducing all vibing, this kind of stuff. You know, going on party. And but then I am the walrus, sings, I which am the I walrus. knew you would have questions about. So I am the mm. walrus is a very fun song. I am the walrus. I am the Eggman. I am the walrus. So this the, song specifically. Oh, go ahead. Lennon wrote this song specifically to confuse listeners who have been affording serious scholarly interpretations of Beatles lyrics. It was partly inspired by two LSD trips and Lewis Carroll's 1871 poem, The Walrus and the Carpenter. John Lennon was, like, later bummed to, like, find out that the walrus was, like, a villain in The Walrus and the Carpenter um, from Through the Looking Glass. Um, And it was just supposed to be... He wrote the first two lines when he was on acid trips. Um, Checks out. Yeah. 
and it was it's fun and it fits very well with what's happening <laughs> it it does because they're on an acid trip mm-hmm. but it's very like it feels like a Phineas and Ferb song. Gitchy Gitchy Goo means that I love you. Or from <laughs> Justin Kelly, a bum dig it. A bum dig it? Yeah, it's quite wild. Um, so They're they all, all on this bus. bus. <laughs> and at yeah, first you're well, like, is, is, the, is the bus real? The bus is real. The bus is real, as it turns out. I really wasn't sure at first. Um, so they all took a bus to the headquarters of the League of Spiritual Deliverance. Home of Dr. Uh, which Geary. Is the home which, of Dr. Geary, which, who uh, he wants to go see. Yeah, and he's just like, I, Dr. Roberts, like, have this, like, connection where, like, like-minded, like, spirits. I've never met him before. And he? find out that Dr. Gary's like, Gary I'm fucking busy, busy bro. He's like, we drove 3,000 miles to see him. Okay, back to California. And then the rest of the gang was like, Excuse well, me. We're from New York. <laughs> Pardon. <laughs> Wait, Excuse me, Ma. <laughs> that's not going to work for us. He was like, Okay, you're on the bus, you're off the bus. They're like, Okay, we're off the bus. Still so on they drugs. Just leave them stranded. And they're like, That's yeah. fine. So we get into a bunch of high nonsense that we hear from Lucy. Yeah. Where are we going? Going out of our minds. See a bunch of puppets, and then we get into the song being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. This song is, because it's very random, the inspiration for this song was a 19th century circus poster for Pablo Fonke's Circus Royale appearance at Rockdale. Lennon purchased the poster in 1967, and in like an antique shop while they were filming promotional films for Strawberry Fields Forever in kent and claimed years later to still have the poster in his home uh everything from the song is from that poster he explained except the horse wasn't called henry the poster identifies the oh, horse as xanthus so the song's theorist um, lyrics do... are just like detail the evening's program yeah i do think that the animation like effects style during the scene is really really cool yeah. um it's Terrifying. not something you very stop motion oh but with yes. people but with people oh and like during this they're like prudence and i'm like good for you prudence yeah prudence finally got herself a girl love that for her danny who mm-hmm. i believe played by janine sorales also been in yeah. utopia bold the good wife um and then Everyone's just like feeling good. They're just all laying in the field this, this together. This song is just vibing. so so much fun uh, yeah. because it's also like I just appreciate how whimsical it is. It is also sung by Mr. Kite is played by Eddie Eddie Izzard, and she is incredible. So she's like a very known stand-up comedian. She's been in Ocean Thirteen, The Lost Simple, Green Eggs and Hand, The Dark crystal age of resistance and it was just that kind of ringleader yeah character yeah you have to go all in about it's like you want yeah. whimsy i'll show you whimsy you want fucking crazy i will show you fucking crazy and, I and it was just it such like a controlled are... focused way to do it yeah like circuses are meant to be weird like that's part of the point of going to a circus is like to don't see ride some... elephants yeah, don't ride elephants. Um, 
but that's part of the point of going to a circus is just to see like some really cool really entertaining really artistic and sometimes really weird shit that you just wouldn't yeah. be able to see in a regular time um so i love that so they they finish up or they they get through that and then we see they're all so high they're just all laying out in a field vibing together Ugh, lucky and we get into the song because love and i this really song. like this song yeah it's yeah this is probably like one of the one of uh well, I don't know. A lot of these songs I would listen to like out of the context of this movie because they're just, you know, good songs. But this is one that I was just like, this is just like a nice, like calming song that I could see like not even being associated with this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because the um, earth is round, it turns me on. Because the wind is high, it blows my mind. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. Yeah. It's just, we are just experiencing these things. Just experiencing humanity, experiencing life, experiencing the universe. And, like, the visuals, and, like, I was reading some stuff about how they were filming this. And they would just have to, like, jump in the water, do as long as they could, get out, take a breath, go back in. Yeah. And I do think it's an interesting visual that we see people are, like, together, together, together. But then you see Max swimming off. Alone. Yes. Alone. Because despite telling the sergeant he is a cross-dressing homosexual pacifist with a spot on his heart, he still is being enlisted. And uh, he's like, as long as you don't have flat feet, you're good. Max. Which is literally the army. Um, Yeah. So this is like one of the few scene transitions I think is actually very good. With the helicopter whirring, yes. And like so going from the very Max, peaceful, ethereal. Yeah, we see Max swim off by himself, and then we see him floating on his back, like through the water, and we see the shadow of a helicopter go over him, and then we keep hearing the sound of the rotors, and we transition to like basically a. a, a I don't know what it's called, like a field of, of helicopters flying over an area, and like um, we've transitioned to like a, flock? a war zone, basically. Flock sounds fine. Uh, flock battalion sounds. swarm. Swarm is good. I like swarm. I like swarm. Bees makes sense. Cheers. Why not? <laughs> hey, fuck it. Fuck it. Cheers. So Max is off in Vietnam now. Um, we transition back to America. Bummer. We see that it's winter time, um, and Lucy is working at a diner. Uh, we do see that her and Jude are still together. She's over at his. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. She's over at his place, or maybe they're living together. I'm not sure. Uh, but he sketches. Well, I think so. I don't think she's living with her family. Which would make sense. Yeah. So I assume she's yeah. there. Yeah, because she moves out later on. Correct. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Okay. Um, so he sketches her sleeping naked, a la, like, paint me like one of your French girls. Um, Never seen Titanic. Interesting. I only watched it in college, so I get it. Um, I'm glad that we regularly, rev- like, review and, like, go through films. <laughs> <laughs> right? We have such, a, the right long, for this such job. a long history and, and understanding of them. Um, I said we're the right people for this job. We're the right people for this hobby. We do not get paid. Correct. <laughs> we put money into this. <laughs> for you, listeners. For you. Um, so we get into the song. Did you say weird? Weird. Um, so we get into the song Something, which, mm, again, it's giving love- John Mayer vibes. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> well, I just like this song. Fair. I like the Again, Beatles. This is a Raven. good song. Sue me. Is, okay. I know this is pretty counterculture, <laughs> but I think the Beatles made good music. You're alone. I know I'm like that. one out of like five people to think it. <laughs> um, so very sad boy uh, vibes. Um, <laughs> boy. I think it has the most boring visuals of the movie which is not to say that the visuals are bad it's not to say the scene is bad yeah. but it's just it's very much him standing in a in a corner singing well it i think that's very also representative what like what the he's feeling in the moment because uh lucy has gotten very much more in into like her and, protesting yeah. and things like that and like the organization she's working for that he like feels like left out that she like you know has this thing that she like really believes in is putting like all of her effort into it and he was like i'm here too um and it's just like he is like wanting to connect with her and be with her and she's not thinking of him there are things that she's she, he is not a priority to her right now. i guess like for me I get that that's how he's feeling, but it's hard for mm-hmm. me to sympathize with him in that because I don't, I don't get that. Because there's a little war going on and her brother's there. Yeah, but like, I don't get yeah. that from her. <laughs> like, I don't get the sense that she's not, like, either that she's not really that into him, that she's not spending time with him, that she's not um, into the relationship. It's just that she has another thing that is also important to her, you know? So to me, like his feeling that way to me, I perceive it more as like, Oh, I'm mad that I'm not her everything. And it's like, well, you shouldn't be in the first place. Well, I thought it was more so that it's at least seem, I mean, of course we're seeing it from his perspective, but they're not spending any time together. Like, she works all day, does all this kind of stuff, is home for a couple of hours mm. to sleep, and then she's going back to do these other things. So their quality time is, like, when she's sleeping and he's, like, drawing and, like, making art, that's, like, when he's able to connect with her. Oh, I did not pick that up at all. So is thank what you I for sharing that. Was, but I don't know, it could be wrong. No, um, I can, I can totally understand like, that being the message the movie was trying to convey. I just wasn't picking up what it was putting down. And then he's like, well, he's like, even above himself, he was like, are you at least going to go to Sadie's show? Yeah. Because it's important to, to Sadie. Sadie. Who's one and, of our friends, you know. Yes. And she was like, maybe. maybe I've got a protest to go to. Or I've got, I've which got a give, protest gives to me. Yeah, which gives me the feeling that that's just where all of her time all is going. going. Again, understandable. Like her, her, her brother boyfriend died in the, is literally in a yeah, war. Yeah, her first love, her first that shouldn't boyfriend be happening. died in the same war her brother is currently fighting in. So, yeah, makes sense. I understand why you're a little preoccupied. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we get to see the show of Sadie and the Poe mm-hmm. Boys, great band name. And they're singing And we oh, get into Darling. Oh Darling. I... So uncomfortable. I am so uncomfortable. But I do really like the song, though. And it's low-key. Oh, yeah, the song's great. And up until the point where she unplugs his guitar, it's low-key still a good performance. Like, their back and forth is a little uncomfortable, but it's like, it still kind of works because he's still singing. But at this point, it was like, oh, what's the tea? Did y'all break up? What's going on? Um, So she gets pissed at him because apparently, because it feels like he's interrupting her singing because at first he's just like kind of, 
doing some ad-libbing while she's singing, like just like repeating some lines and stuff. But then he fully starts going off on guitar riffs while she's singing. And it's a very clear, like she's trying to sing louder than him and he's trying to play louder than her singing. And that's when it gets a little uncomfortable. And eventually she just unplugs his guitar and then storms off stage. Um, And he just picks right up from where she left off. Something I, and he does a great job. Um, but something I didn't, I don't think I said this before, mm. before, but Jojo, like the name, there was a character Jojo that, um, from the song Get Back, which wasn't supposed to be like an individual person, supposed to be ambiguous, mm. but I think maybe that's where they got the name Jojo Interesting. Uh, this character. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but we do find out that Sadie is going solo. So I think it's a combination of like deciding to go solo maybe led to a breakup yeah. kind of thing. It was like, well, we still got this show. And he was like, oh, do we? Yeah. It's very, very cold, very cold energy. So then we switch back. Um, Jude is like trying to sketch. He's trying to draw, but he's out of it. He's frustrated. He has, he has no inspiration. Um, and then why did I write Sadie here? Lucy shows up with Paco. <laughs> With Paco. With Paco. It's like, oh, heard. And it's just like, heard you didn't have a TV. Let's, I TV. had a spare yeah, I one. one. There, I mean, filming, you can see what's going on in Vietnam. So there's, this was also the first time you can like actually like in people's home see what is yeah. happening. But okay. So, th- and this is like, just like another nail in the coffin for Jude yeah. because it's just like all of, all of this time is spent towards this kind of thing. And so this dude, Paco, who he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, is bringing in and be like, oh, don't worry. The time you do have, it's going to be about this too. Yeah. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful for you? So now Jude is sitting, like, watching the news, um, and it's giving, like, all the recent death tolls from the war, which is depressing as fuck. Um, and we get into the song Strawberry Fields Forever, where we see him kind of crafting this new art piece um, that is basically an array of strawberries um, and they're stuck on pins against this like backboard and you see the juices dripping down from the strawberries and it's very red and like it kind of intentionally looks like blood Um, and so the way it's set up it's kind of at least personally I got the visual imagery of like obviously like soldiers dying in a field Um, and that's kind of the yeah yeah, um, kind of the obvious like allegory there Um, so Lennon based the song off of his childhood memories of playing in the garden of Strawberry Field, a Salvation Army children's home in Liverpool. Oh, interesting. And one of the, um, the Beatles just like finished like touring after one of their like more difficult periods. And it's like when Lennon said he was like, they were like more popular than Jesus, that whole controversy (laughs) between that and like Catcher the Rye and stuff like that led to like someone literally killing Mm -hmm. him. Um, well, it, those weren't the reason why, the reason why people are fucking crazy and decide to murder people. But, um, so they were, they were being a target of mob violence in reaction to their, like, unintentional snubbing of Philippines first lady Imelda Marcos. And so it, like, Lynn was feeling, like, very vulnerable. And, uh, he was also, like, distraught to learn in late October, that Alma Kogan, the English singer who he, like, earmarked to replace Aunt Mimi and his affections, had died in London. And so Lennon committed to, like, 
tape and like working and there was no like reference to strawberry fear uh strawberry field and like at this stage um they think lynn most likely drew inspiration for the autobiography by nikos kazan kazan uh, report to Greco, which he was reading to Mary, and tells of a writer searching for spiritual meaning. So it's just like it's conveying like nostalgia for like their early years in Liverpool mm. going on while like a lot of stuff is happening, yeah. and like a particularly hard long, uh, hard time in their lives. Um, there, there's a lot of like surrealistic and psychedelic overtones that was affecting their music yeah. a lot during that period when they were writing it. Um, and when, uh, George Martin, the Beatles producer, when he first heard this song, he thought it like kind of conjured up like more of like a hazy impressionistic dream world. Um, so I, it was like, Strawberry Fields Forever was really informed during this, like all this going on, but also with experiences with like LSD and hallucinogenic like trips and experiences, um, which like caused him to like question like his identity, his like background, his like ego mm. during all of this. Um, and it's very much the his nothing is real reflects the concept of like these kinds of illusions conveyed in like different Hindu teachings uh, that they like were reading during they're filming of like different things that were going on and he just reflecting like how he felt different all of his life and kind of like he it was kind of like a psycho analysis to music that's interesting um, of like it's like his favorite song yeah that like he wrote um so i it wasn't like originally like a war song mm-hmm. But I think maybe it was, like, a war with oneself and past yeah. and, like, what's going on in his life. Yeah. Because there are definitely, um, there were definitely parts of it that it was, like, I could, it, I, I didn't feel like it didn't fit at the very least. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like yeah. it kind of worked with the scene. Um, and there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, visual effects overlaying of like different imagery and stuff going on in the scene that I for the first time didn't particularly enjoy like it was like I you didn't like like the tv screens and the it was more like I felt it was similar to like the let it be scene where it was like I understand the general vibe that you're going for like the message that you're going for through this scene I'm not necessarily there with you but, like, there was something, there was just something about the visuals that I was just like, mm, I'm not quite well, like, picking up what you're putting down, yeah. but I see what you're going for. Oh, for through. sure. You know? And I think it, like, it also helps to have, like, different contexts, of course, of these songs. So if, like, John Lennon is thinking this is kind of, like, a connection to, like, his childhood, like, what's going on, yeah. who he is, and, like, trying to explore, especially in a time he's like, who am I with all this stuff going on? I think... It's, like, one of the lines, it's getting hard to be someone, but it works out. Between that, they've already introduced that the having TVs and, like, actually being able to see what's going on in Vietnam is able to bring what's going on in the war into people's households mm-hmm. and connecting. Like, that's the connection Max is with home, is through the TV, where he's from, what's going on, and trying to, like, 
still be a person, still hopefully it works out. And Jude is just kind of, I mean, he's an artist. He's like, he's seeing these, he's making these observations and he's like um, making like art out of it. I think all of that in total, I think frames it better, mm. but like you can't get that just from this movie. I agree. Um, and so you see like, like the bombs dropping, the strawberries, the splattering, yes. the um, passion and like all this stuff that's going on. That's like informing Jude's art kind of like gets washed away when they're at the laundromat yes. and Jude is like telling Lucy, it's like, Oh, I got a job. He's going to making a logo for Sadie's record company. And Lucy doesn't give a doesn't shit. Doesn't give a single flying fuck. She's like, there's a fucking and that's war going like, on. Yeah. And I was like, and he's, and when she's like, you're just like sketching. Yeah. I was like, are you even, like, seeing the art, though? Because even, like, the strawberry art, what's going on, it is informed by the war, war, by Max, what all this stuff is going on. I feel like at this point in, like, Lucy's character arc, she has a very, like, kind of, like, narrow view. Very myopic. Narrow scope. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, especially with, like, Paco, it's just, like, like, she's definitely, you know, does believe in, like, what they're doing and the cause, but the idolization of him, that he can do no wrong, where Jude's, like... Why are, when I go in there, there's only women working out there and men, like, deciding all things back there. That's not right. And he, she's like, that's not how it is. You don't know what what you're talking about. It's just, like, there could be no criticism. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, at it, it kind of makes sense for them, one, to be having this fight at this point in both of their stories. Um, but also, I think the journey that Lucy's on is kind of an important one to depict for this type of issue. You know what I mean? Because it's very, it is very human to get, um, especially given her experiences, right? I think Lucy's character is very much symbolizing a lot of the simultaneous, like, hopelessness, but also fervor that a lot of people were feeling around this event of, like, there, at the same time, there's nothing we can do, but we must do something. You know what I mean? Like, we must do anything yeah. that we can to prevent this. And I can understand why, at this point in her story, she would look at Jude and say, like, you're not doing enough. You know what I mean? Doodles and cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on Jude's perspective, it's like, he feels like, aren't you doing enough? Because it's like, they do talk about how... Um, she believes in something and she like believes in this and she wants Jude to believe in something. And then I think they say that like he doesn't, but like, I don't know. I didn't get that though from everything else. That he doesn't believe in anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I more got the sense that like, he's just not passionately tied to the war effort. Or he like is expressing this stuff differently. Yeah. Yeah, like, to me, Jude seems to be suffering more from, like, the general sense of ennui that one might, that one might reasonably experience from seeing all of the people they grew up with be sent off to war and fucking die. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, and, and simultaneously knowing, one, that you are... I'm not, I'm not sure if he's, like, quote-unquote not allowed to go, but at the very least, he's exempt from the draft. You know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. he could volunteer. But one, he has no real desire to do that, and why would he? So then uh, Lucy storms off, uh, and 
Jude shows up at the protest like headquarters offices um yeah that's a great thing when you're angry in a fight with your partner you show up, at show up to their work <laughs> absolutely um so we get and the song revolution at them and i will say there are a lot of women out there mm-hmm. and all the men are back there absolutely 100 so. um so yeah jude goes full ross and just shows up at her office and causes a ruckus <laughs> they understandably kick him out Get this clown out of here. (laughs) They throw him out. So then we go to the bar. Um, We see that Jojo is performing. Uh, Jude is sitting over at the bar drinking. And we get into the song. Or Jojo's performing the song while my guitar gently weeps. And oh my God. One, this is the first song in the movie that I actually knew. Not just that I had heard of, but like I actually knew this Mm -hmm. song. And I freaking love this song. Did you think it was Teardrops on My Guitar? No, I didn't. I know the difference between the Beatles and Taylor Swift. Um, although that's, that's a very funny joke, but, um, (laughs) I really like this cover of it as well. The way he performs it is so like sultry and soulful, but like with a touch of sorrow and it just like, it's so bluesy and I, mm, it's, it just, it like struck a chord in my soul. I loved it. Yeah. This song was written by George Harrison. Um, the lead guitarist Mm -hmm. and Harrison wrote uh, kind of like an exercise inspired by an exercise in randomness inspired by the Chinese I Ching Uh, the song is like really just saying his dismay at the like the world and humanity has such potential for like universal love we are all just fucking people why can't we just respect that and be um, and he refers to that as the love there that's sleeping. Yeah. And so it's just like, just a comment on just kind of like this, like disharmony. And also it's kind of like a lack of like harmony that the band had, um, when they came back from India. Um, and so there was an initial like apathy about the composition, which Harrison, would like inviting his friend and occasional collaborator Eric Clapton, if you've heard of him, um, <laughs> to contribute to the recording. And Clapton overdubbed the lead guitar, uh, guitar part, although he was not formally credited for his contribution. Scandalous. Um, but it's just, I think the Beatles has such a wide spectrum of different kind of music. Yeah. Like you said before, they were so experimental with things. While my guitar gently weeps, I think is just such a pure song. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, again, the lyrics aren't, like, directly tied to, like, all these feelings and stuff like that, but it's just, it's so pure in delivering, like, such a, like, human emotion. Yeah. And I love the way... I, like, really, really um, appreciate. I love the way it personifies the guitar, like, the, the lyrics personify the guitar, of like, the guitar is the one weeping, right? And I think it it really gives the, the, the sense of, especially as we know that JoJo's character has been through a lot of trauma, um, one, from being, from also fighting in Vietnam to losing his brother to, like, all the, all the myriad things that black people are going through at this point in history and 
this song really expresses the idea that like I want to weep like all of these all of these things make me feel such a depth of emotion that I want to weep and yet I cannot so my guitar will do it for me you know like that's always the vibe that I get from this song and I uh, it's just such a beautiful song I love it yeah so and it's very interesting because George Harrison uh that like eastern concept he was talking about um it's really whatever happens is all meant to be every little item that's going down has a purpose mm -hmm. so this song was like an exercise based on specifically that and he's quoted to say i picked up a book at random opened it saw gently weeps then laid the book down again and started the song damn icon um so yeah so then jojo and jude are kind of talking after um uh, talking about their different women and how they're gonna fix the shit between them um and jojo's like oh you know go off. their like, solidarity kind of yeah but also them checking each other checking each other and jojo's like will you go home to lucy like i'm sure she's still there waiting for you nope uh she done left him and we also see that Lucy, like, sees the art in the apartment. See what's going yeah. on. But still, despite... Like, she does, like, pack up all her things. And all her I think shit. at this... Like, in, in this song also, we do see Sadie saying that they're having... She's having trouble with the guitarist. And be like, he doesn't know shit about the guitar. Yep. He can't even play guitar, like, how he should kind of thing. So that's just also that connection to JoJo. Yeah, yeah. But her... She gone... So then we hear the song. So after Jude discovers that Lucy's left him, we hear the song Across the Universe. The titular song. The titular song, indeed. Um, uh, and he's like walking around. We see that they're protesting. The people are protesting at Columbia University because uh, many of their scientists are working for the Department of Defense. Obviously supporting the war effort. The people are angry about that. Um, and as the song is going on, we hear it sort of meld or medley with Helter Skelter being sung by Sadie. Um, yeah. And I think it's a very interesting choice to meld these songs, but I think it really works within like the narrative of the film. Because it's kind yeah. of showing like... It's, it's showing the like disarray that the it's kind of comparing the disarray that Jude is feeling within himself and comparing that to the disarray of society with like all of these protests and riots and like everything going on and how like kind of angry and chaotic people are feeling about just everything happening. And I think it's really interesting that um, because this song is kind of like about feeling small and like the vastness yeah. that is the universe but like kind of being okay with it because that's like part of its beauty um but i think the lyrics that like happen a lot nothing's going to change my world is like very for the character of jude i think it's really showing that like he doesn't have something he believes in, or like he says he doesn't have something that he believes and i still don't believe that's true mm. um but it's just like nothing's going to change about that which is like John Lennon, this with this like line was more so no one or nothing is going to ruin like John Lennon's like joy or happiness mm -hmm. kind of thing, um, and it's like a good thing to remind yourself when you're like making your way across the universe. And I think that's like a complete like contrast of the meaning of the song, mm. but I think it still fits and 
both at areas because Jude's like definitely like feeling small like uh, with everything's going on yeah. and he, you know repeatedly nothing's going to uh, nothing's going to change my world but that's not true because he goes to the protest he fights for Lucy he's trying to like get to her so I just think that's I don't know I think that's just interesting I, I do think that's interesting I wonder if this is the point where he because he's accepted the fact that he's small um like i wonder if in that acceptance there is a sense of agency that can be gained from it and that is what kind of spins the rest of his character arc of like him going to the protest and fighting for her and like all that stuff yeah yeah so the protest gets broken up by the police, Lucy and Lucy's gets being arrested. arrested. Jude gets the shit beat the out shit of beat out of him because he's like he's trying arrested. to help her. He's like trying to get to her and like fight through the police and everything. Um, and yeah, so we see them both get arrested and taken away, um, and then we skip over. We see a shot of Max at war in Vietnam, and we cut back to Jude back to jail. in jail um and his, his dad, dad shows is, up and it's like yeah. hey i tried to tell them that like you're american born like you're my son blah, blah blah they asked for proof i didn't have any so i don't really know what to do for you and they're going to deport you back to liverpool yeah yeah i was able to talk him down from the protests and all that stuff yeah. but like you're i can't gone. do anything about this yeah and it's just and the dad does say he's like are you gonna tell your mom that we met and he's like Yes, yes, I am. Which, I don't know. I think this was, like, a really interesting moment also for their relationship because we uh, it's not about their relationship. Not that at was, all. like, why he came to America, stuff like that. And it was just, like, I just, what you were talking about earlier, I just want us to both know that we exist. Yeah. But it's still, it was just, like, that kind of emotional investment still, like, within one another. Yeah. And I think it's important that it came from the dad first. I, yes, I really liked the fact that his dad did still come Happy for Father's him. Day. Um, and that he, like, even though when he didn't know about him and, and like, maybe in theory didn't want a son uh, or, like, want a child, but he's like, he's like, oh, but you're here now and I'm, I, I need to do the thing, you know? Um, yeah. and I, and I really liked seeing that. Um, so yeah, so Jude gets deported. Um, we see him back to, Liverpool. back to Liverpool. And this is where I realized that his girlfriend from Liverpool is only credited as Jude's Liverpool girlfriend. Um, she's waiting because for him. He, she's fully married, married and, pregnant. and pregnant. Yes. So it's not his Liverpool girlfriend no more. Correct. She can have a name. Um, and her, her, his friend Phil, and they joked around, it's like, don't get with Phil when I'm gone. She got with Phil. Um, but I do like that they're able to have a very adult conversation of she's just like, oh, like, what's her name? And he's like, who? And she's like, the reason you stopped writing. Um, and he's like, oh, her name is Lucy. And I I, I do yeah. appreciate that they're able to have a very adult conversation about that. Because she's like, yeah, you went to a different country and you met someone else. And like, that's okay, you know? Um, so then we cut over to... Uh, a war hospital we see that lucy's visiting max and th- and this is the point that i was like okay so he must have just been injured during that scene and like honorably discharged or something which again was not clear so um lucy yeah lucy's visiting max and then uh, right after she leaves we get into the song happiness is a warm gun um 
which I'm yeah, still okay. not so sure this, how to interpret. This is what the song is about. Okay, thank you. So it comes from, like, it was composed into three different sections. Lennon referred to the dirty old man, the junkie, and the gunman. Um, he derived the title from an NRA magazine, explained, and he was like, the title comes from a gun magazine, and he thought it was just like such an insane thing to say as like warm gun. That means it's just been fired, fired yeah. and getting enjoyment from something used to like kill things is like sick. Yes. It's deranged. Um, and so this, like, song, the lyrics were, like, a double entendre for guns, but also his, like, sexual desire for Yoko Ono. That seems weird enough. Oh, that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think we really need to talk about, in this scene, with, like, that sweet, sweet morphine, Mm -hmm. um, and that sweet, sweet PTSD, Lucy's visiting Max once a week. But the with the room spinning, the priest spinning, yeah. the bang bang shoot shoot nurse is none other than Salma Hayek. I did not notice that. How did you not notice I that? I don't know. And how beautiful she was. She's gorgeous. She was like the whole thing. She was incredible. Salma Hayek, if you don't know, she's been in Frida. She's been Teresa Nueva Amanecer. Uh, she's in Puss in Boots. She's in 30 Rock, which she's so funny. She's also in, she's in the newest season of Black Mirror. Um, oh, interesting. In a, ver- in a very fun role. I like it. So go check that out, friends. So this song, I think is just like. I, th- I think that well it seems like the song's like origins is like these conflicting feelings like yeah how can how can that be happy with what that was just happening so maybe it's a kind of thing that it's like you know there is shooting killing all that stuff going on but the happiest is not from like the act of all that stuff but maybe that the act is done and he's just trying to like get back yeah i i definitely get that because especially what you were saying of like there's something like deranged and deriving joy from like just having taken a life especially a human life um i i can definitely see how that plays into like the visual imagery of the scene and i can also get get it as like a um the the joy in this specific case of like the context of what a warm gun means in this case right because like if you're fighting in war like having a warm gun and being alive means that you survive to live another day, right? Like you, you killed your enemy, you've made it here. And especially for someone who has seen, one, knows that a lot of his other countrymen have died, has seen many of his other comrades die, um, and is now struggling through like healing, like surviving and healing from PTSD from those experiences like i can see simultaneously how there is a sense of joy in like a sense of joy in the fact that i survived when many others didn't and also a sense of deep horror and trauma in what i had to do to survive like the lives Mm. i had to take you know and the things that i witnessed and doing all of that yeah I, i think it's definitely a very fitting song for this scene 
Um, so then we go, we see Lucy's at another protest. Um, she's in a phone booth calling, like talking to her mom and her mom's face. She's like, I don't understand why you're doing all this. You're putting yourself in you're danger. You're being so radical. You're being so radical. Like, and she's just like, how are you? Like your son is fighting in this war. Like, how do you not care about this? You know, Daniel I mean? died. And this point I wrote down boyfriend name is Daniel. Is Daniel. <laughs> Good to know. We never knew that before. Um, Check. and while she's on the phone with her mom or, or maybe right after she, after she gets off, uh, we see a riot breaks out, um, and the police start doing things that police do. Was this supposed to be representative of Kent State? I'm not familiar with that incident. Uh, Kent State was a peaceful protest turned violent because of the police, and students died. Yeah, but um, yeah, turns not peaceful. Yep. Um, not because of the protesters. And after like she gets away from Lucy the goes riot. to yeah. She goes back to the protest like headquarters. She's like all the rooms like cleared out. There's nothing on the walls anymore. She looks over into the side room and she sees Paco with a couple of his buddies building a bomb. And she's just like, I thought that only what, what was the what was the I thought it was the other side that, that dropped bombs. bombs. Yeah, and they're just like get out <laughs> but then we see in liverpool we see on like the tv like americans killed in homemade bomb blast yeah and then we get back to oh something else Specifically, I want to see. there's like, so many americans killed and yeah background actors and things like that one of them though i want to shout out one of the tavern waitresses mm-hmm. was in newsies oh aisha de haas metalarkin oh she was in this movie that's cool. Didn't pick that As up. That's like one of the waitresses. Yeah. Nice little cameo. Um, so yeah, so Jude sees the news of the bomb blast um, and he starts like freaking out basically. Um, and then we switch and we see Lucy and Max are back at the pier where Jude drew her on that wall before. Mm-hmm. And Lucy starts singing Blackbird. I love this song and i never knew before literally before this scene i did not know it was a beatles song i had only ever heard Read covers it. of it <laughs> didn't know no clue <laughs> um I mean, yeah this is i'm a- not i don't let's move on um <laughs> and it's really just you know taking that step um from a place of like hurt loss yeah feeling broken and like learning to fly again and it's just like after all this stuff has happened it like for max it's like he was literally in a war for lucy it was like what she was still fighting for what she believed in she has her brother back and things like that but like also this organization these people she really believed in was just like this is not what i thought it was kind of thing but it's still um i think it's really interesting that in these kinds of moments, she's still thinking of Jude. Yeah. And with this, like, charcoal wood. Um, and when learning to fly again, like, thinking back to, like, what made you happy. Like, giving reason for things and stuff like that, I just think was... Yeah. Um, very, very interesting for the character of Lucy. Yeah, and I think I think the song works in a lot of different contexts. But I like the idea of it being framed against her newfound sense of, like, disillusionment with the cause she had joined and her sense of brokenness is coming from 
this is a group of people I like I believed in so strongly because I believe so strongly in this cause and I like the idea that her learning to fly from this is like understanding like one I can still fight for this cause I can still fight for the things okay I yeah that, that's what I was gonna say I yeah. don't think it was necessarily the cause but the people the people yeah 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 but, yeah but the people in the cause were tied to each other at the time yeah you know but now I think she's learning like I can still fight for to this me. cause I can still for fight for me. this for these issues while understanding that the things that those people were doing was wrong and maybe I was yeah. following them for the wrong reasons yeah, yeah. So um, then, and then we see both like Max is at a bar drinking, Jude's at a bar drinking, mm-hmm. and you kind of see like through the mirror, like they're seeing each other. Well, they don't see each other, but you see Max begin to the song "Hey Jude." Mm-hmm. He starts, and it's just it. <laughs> yeah, it's just very much like just like go get her. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. like um, after like you're worried about here. Let's like let's figure this out kind of thing and i think this was definitely one of the more like musical moments i said i think this is the best adapted song in the sense of like having this feel like an actual musical instead of just a a movie with songs in it um yeah yeah uh and i like i mean this song's great everyone's great and it's just like you see like the the his mom everyone he sees in liverpool people in america max everyone's just like hey jude go out and get her like the lyrics of hey jude yeah um but it's just like you know showing like the world is literally tell him to like go to the love of his life yeah go get her yeah um i was wondering why all the neighborhood children were gathering around him and i just chalked it up to like movie magic but i was like this doesn't make sense in real life musical it's not but it's it's not real life Correct. Um, <laughs> so he goes back. Uh, Max, Max sees picks him. him up. Max is so excited. He's so he's stoked so happy to see his friend again. Yeah. Yeah. He's a taxi driver. Great job. Wild. Good job. Good uh, and then we you, you're find going out to be in it for a long time before Uber and Lyft becomes. A thing. So, <laughs> Correct. Good for you. Um, so we uh, we find out Sadie is performing, and we go to like the bar, and she's actually performing <sighs> with JoJo. So they're like at least cool again, potentially mm. back together. And, like, where they're performing, it's actually at the rooftop of their, like, record label. Like, house, yeah. Yeah. uh, Strawberry Jams. Strawberry Jams. Cheers. Which is cool. Cheers. Also, just a fun name for a record label. That's so cool. Right? Yeah. And so, they're, like, playing on the roof. It's on the radio. And it's Don't Let Me Down. And they are incredible. So good. I'm loving everything that's Every second of it. I'm here for it. Um, so yeah. Lucy, we see that Lucy goes, to, like, is potentially going to see and Jude, but she goes up to also the... also interrupt. Yeah, she goes, but Lucy, we see, real quick, like, Lucy goes up to the building, either chickens out or, like, doesn't get an answer and, like, starts to leave. Um, don't let me down. They do such a good job. But the cops, like, interrupt them and they're, like, take them away. Just like, you have to stop this because you're disturbing the peace. And up there is, like, Max and Jude and Sadie and JoJo. Prudence is there playing the piano. She's doing great. Yes. And they're like, Prudence is like, I told her where we're going to be. At least I think it was her. I think I told her. <laughs> great. Tried great. your best. Doing great, Prudence. And then everyone kind of gets, like, shuffled off the roof. But Jude, like, kind of hides. Um, and then he starts singing, All You Need Is Love. Yeah. And, like, obviously singing to Lucy everyone else like of their friends they convince the cops to be like let's just come on don't be chill be cool yeah be cool um and then lucy hears his voice 
Yes. And it's just like... <gasps> and she's trying to, like, find it. Like, she's trying to get in. The police won't let her in. And so then she just, like... She doesn't just walk away. Like, she's, like, clearly, like, going to try to find a different way to get up there. Um, but it doesn't show how she gets up there. It just cuts back up to the top of the roof and then cuts over to her just standing on, like, the corner of the building. And I'm, like, I'm assuming she climbed a fire escape or something. But I love the idea that she just, like, shimmied up the side of the building. <laughs> like, just scaled, like, a Just vampire. scaled the building. <laughs> um, uh, or, like, entered, like, a door. Okay, and went that's up some too stairs. easy, Campbell. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they make they make eye contact. Like, Jude's like, oh, fuck, yeah, she still loves me. And then we cut Fiend, and we go to the end credits. And over the end credits is playing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, played by Bono and The Edge with this very, like, psychedelic-type credits. Yeah. And we reached the end of our two. Hmm. So... For anyone like me who did not grow up (laughs) listening to the Beatles, um, here's a quick little background and some fun facts about them. So the Beatles obviously were an English rock band from Liverpool. They were formed in in 1960. They are composed of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Um, So their sound is generally rooted in like skiffle, beat, and 50s rock, although 50s rock and roll, although they did incorporate like a lot of classical music and traditional pop, um, and they innovated and experimented a lot with a variety of different sounds like from India from all over the world Um, so they've done a lot of different things so the Beatles evolved from John Lennon's band the Quarrymen that Campbell mentioned earlier which he formed at 16 Um, so McCartney later joined that and brought uh, George Harrison in and for a short time after like the rest of the band left they were Johnny and the Moondogs and I just think that's very Sick. fun. Um, and eventually, Pete Best joined on drummer, or joined as the drummer, but um, after like a year or two, like they were signing with like a new manager and everything, and he basically hated uh, Best, and they were like, yeah, well, we were thinking of getting rid of him anyway. So then they replaced him with Ringo Starr in 1962, and thus the Beatles were solidified. Um, so a few just like, fun facts about their discography and like their history as a band. So they have released 12 worldwide. They have released 12 studio albums, 17 in the U S five live albums, 51 compilation albums, 36 EPs or extended plays, 17 box sets, 22 video albums and 53 music videos, which is a goddamn impressive, uh, impressive discography. Um, They featured in five films, four of which were fictionalized, but one of which was a documentary of like the making of the Let It Be album, which I always think is super cool when artists do that and like you see like behind the scenes. Um, They've been the subject of 19 documentaries. They've been portrayed in 18 films and TV shows, and they have inspired 14 films using their music, including this one, Across the Universe. Um, And just an extra little fun little tidbit, the vultures in the 1967 version of The Jungle Book are actually considered caricatures of the Beatles and were originally intended to be voiced by them, but then they weren't able to for like schedule conflict reasons. Uh, But I just think that's really fun. Just a just a cool little thing. So, discussion question time. Campbell. That's me. Given the general like theme of this movie, um, and 
the history of like music in America, especially around the time of the 60s and this entire era of like protesting the Vietnam War and like everything that was going on in current events. Um, I was curious from like for each of us to speak on from our perspective, what is or what can be the role of music in like progressive movements and fighting for like social change? Well, I think that really comes from like what makes music is like a universal that's like a something that is could be and can be like understood by like everyone mm. it's like how we learn how to talk is through music and like understand yeah. sounds um it's how we're able to kind of like recognize the different frequencies and patterns and melodies of people's voices especially when we're like literal babies uh so i think like kind of with that in mind I think it is a way for people to express feeling when they necessarily don't, like, have the words. I'm not someone that's, like, good with words. Um, I We've have seen. a lot of trouble. So <laughs> fucking rude. I love you. You asked me, and I'm putting my heart out there. Yeah, keep going. I'll try. And... I definitely, especially when, like, communicating, like, feelings, emotions, or things, like, like I care about, or I'm, like, trying to explain why I care about different things, especially things that are, like, deeply personal, that's not necessarily, like, I don't, I do a lot of, like, teaching, especially with, like, engineering and, like, different, like, other kinds of concepts. Yeah. With that, it's just, like, understanding where, like, you know, whoever you're teaching, where they're at, where their information lives and trying to like build a con, uh, like make a conversation with like those connections. But this is something kind of different. We all feel so like differently. There's some overlap in some like general things we feel about. Mm-hmm. And that's like really hard to like explain to someone, yeah. or at least it has been for me in my life, as opposed to like, if there's that feeling that I'm trying to express and I hear it and I feel it when I'm listening to a song, I can share the song then. So it's like I'm sharing the feeling. Yeah. So I think that's what's something that like music does a really good job at able to like, you know, share, share feelings when you don't have to do all the heavy lifting, especially if it's like hard for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I also think music does a great job of bringing people together. And that is incredibly useful for a progressive movement or any type of movement. Organizing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think if if you can sing a song about all of the anger and frustration that you're feeling, often rightfully so, at a certain situation, and a thousand or 50,000 or a million people can listen to that song and relate to what you're feeling, relate to what you're expressing and say, you know what? I agree. This shit is fucked and we should fight about it. Um, then all those people can rally together. And like, and uh, like during, during the Vietnam war, there were a lot of concerts. Like there were a lot of war protest songs that were put out. And like over, over the course of history, we've seen that happen again and again, right? Like green day did it like, you know, during like the Afghanistan war, like after 2001 and all of that. Um, like it, it's, we have a very long history of musical artists using their artistry to promote the, the movements that they support. Um, and I think it's so useful, especially like you said, if you're not an orator or if you're not the person who wants to be at the lead of the movement, but you want to be able to bring people together for it, music is just such a great way to do it. 
and because it doesn't always have to be literal like you can also hide messages in songs very often like we saw that um for example like during slavery like uh enslaved people would hide messages within the songs that they sang all the time and that was a way of guiding people to freedom like it's something that humans have done throughout history um and i just think it makes perfect sense to to use it for like things like social justice so yeah so campbell what are we playing today so uh you said earlier oh i thought we'd be playing guitar and ukulele yeah that would have been <laughs> the way to do it but instead <laughs> oh, no. especially for this particular song instead raven will be playing the violin i'll be playing the clarinet um for while my guitar <laughs> gently weeps lmao be right back pretty well i messed up i think so too a decent bit yeah, but we... i ended well and that's what matters <laughs> nice okay well that's why my guitar gently weeps that should have been played on the guitar and the ukulele the instruments that we but it's know how to fine play. it's but fine. it's fine no one else will listen to that but Correct. you and i but with all that, I know you definitely, after seeing this movie, writing your notes, going through different things, mm-hmm. you had, like, you know, how you felt about this musical. But through our discussion and the different meanings we're able to attribute to it and, like, going back through certain things, I am very interested to know if you have a better appreciation for it after we discussed and what a rating on the scale of 1 to 10 would be in total. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, not gonna lie, originally was gonna give this musical, like, maybe a 5 out of 10. (laughs) Um, It was probably gonna be, like, a 4. Right now, I'm between a 6 and a 7, which is about what I rated Moulin Rouge. I think I'm gonna go with, like, a a 6.5. I'm Uh still docking a lot of points for, like, the story simply still is not compelling to me. Like, the physical story, right? It's like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. They're, like, like, literally existing in the world and trying to express how they're feeling. Which I I think there is value in that, but it's not told in a compelling way for me. Um, And I do think like the scene transitions could use a lot of work. The introduction of the music could use a lot of work. But with that, cinematography is very good. Like the scene framing, beautiful. The visuals, beautiful. Vocal performances, amazing. And I like some of the scenes I do and the song choices, I do now appreciate better with the extra understanding you were able to provide. So thank you for that. So yeah, I think my final rating, I'll say, I'll give it a little bit of an edge. I'll say 6.75, which I think is the most Just precise I've ever been. Don't be so pretentious. <laughs> but if I give it a seven, well, it's already it's already above what I gave Moulin Rouge because I gave Moulin Rouge a six. Fine. It's a seven. It's a seven. Nice. Sorry, Dan. I, would, I think I would give it an eight out of 10 because there's some you. things I'm just like, come on. There's no plot, like, no plot transitions. Some of the things I think definitely could have been adapted better, but, like, this is still, I, like, I'm a Beatles fan. I, like, I had a poster in my dorm room of the mm. Beatles and in my bedroom in college. I don't know if you remember or not, Raven, but <laughs> it, it was, like, literally the Abbey Road, like, album, yeah. art, like, poster. Um, which, what happened to that? Did I just throw that away? Mm. And so it was, I don't know. There's definitely some obvious criticisms. Yeah. But I think it's very provocative. I think the music slaps. I think the performances <laughs> are great. And, like, they are. as a Beatles fan, some of the covers, especially the 
women singing this, I like more than the original songs. Shoot me. I do agree. A lot of these covers, I well, I like all. It's just so good, but I think that's just a testament to, like, when we're looking up to listen to Across the Universe during the podcast. Yeah, you know, you bet your ass tonight. (laughs) I'm going to listen to Evanescence sing across the universe. Ooh, that sounds like it's a very good cover. So, I know, love the Beatles. But yeah, there's definitely some things like the movie could have done better. Yeah, but a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff I liked, so I think I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. That's fair. Which is, like, pretty good. Even with, like, how we went into this, the fact that you're rating it a 7 is blowing my mind. I thought you were going to give it, like, a 3. I kind of want to retcon and still go with a six, to be honest. So I'm just nope, going to leave it at six. I'm just going to leave it nope, at six and a half. It. Nope, six and a half. That's my final rating. Fine. Fine. <laughs> but you have to live with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. The Campbell, yeah. where can you find us? You can find us wherever podcasts are found. So that's, you know, Spotify, Ooh, Podbean, indeed. Apple Podcasts, Correct. Amazon Podcasts, True. Stitcher. Pandora, iHeartRadio, any like app, third-party app that you listen to podcasts, we are there. Correct. And when you're listening to us, and if you like us, which we hope you do, uh, rate us, like us, subscribe, follow us on those different podcast platforms. Give us five stars if you like us. That like helps us with the different algorithms, and we can like you know share you know our fun hanging out times but also <laughs> you know what we're trying to do with music education yeah. sometimes we are able to play our drunk playing or if someone just wants to have a better drink hey we're there we're there Absolutely. for you but if you don't feel like doing that go ahead rate us whatever you want but i would very much appreciate it if you tell us why if because there's obviously things we can do better yeah, or maybe sure. you can have a certain like point of view and you're like, hey, you should have like said this or done this. And I could be like, you know what? You're wrong. Objectively <laughs> so. And I have that right. But if you would like to start that dialogue, that conversation, that communication, mm-hmm. you can email us at boozicals at gmail.com. That's B-O-O-Z-I-C-A-L-S at gmail.com. Or DM us on Instagram at boozicals. Many people do. And... I respond to all of them because Raven doesn't have an Instagram, nor no. Nor will I get one. (laughs) Maybe. But also, I like to Photoshop us into, like, fun things. And, and of course, in all our episode descriptions, which you know because you're listening to us. But also on our Instagram posts, um, we do have all these recipes. We have pictures of the drinks that we're Mm -hmm. drinking. I am very proud of the picture I took for today. It's so beautiful. This is a visual thing for Raven, but am I moving my glasses up and down? (laughs) Like, (laughs) For an audio medium, we do a lot of purely visual things. We should maybe stop Yeah, a lot of visual bits. (laughs) Yeah, But that's for us, because you know what this podcast is? For us. If no one listened, we would still be doing this. Yeah. But people are listening. So and we love that for you. To you all. I love that for us. What are you talking about? <laughs> but like, I love it for yeah. them because like, we're awesome and they should listen to us. And we also share different things from other podcasters that we really like. Different music Absolutely. education nonprofits, Or just like some fun things that are related to the musicals. So, yeah. Um, oh, this episode's coming out a week later. I think we are deciding. Yes. Because we need, we don't have, we're just doing these like literally the week up the releasing. 
Which is weird because that's time. what normal podcasters do and it feels wild. But, we, but that's their jobs. <laughs> or they have editors. Correct. We're just a little, little us. A little us. And so apologies for this episode coming out a week later. But, you know, when we get back into the swing of things, we're still going to try to get you that steady, steady bi-weekly. Indeed. Um, that means you're attracted to both weeks. Um, stream <laughs> of our podcast but yeah hope we hear from y'all because i like when our listeners like hit us up and stuff like that and tell us be like why did you say this and i'm like well truly don't know one alcohol two <laughs> i didn't know that thank you for learning me a thing or two sometimes words truly just come out of my face <laughs> imagine <laughs> <laughs> Um, so fun fact, I've been learning Swahili lately, so I'm oh, going to fun. say goodbye in Swahili, which is Kwaheri. Oh, that's fun. Um, I'm going to say goodbye like Raven does when she has a few too many. Bye, bitch. <laughs> I did a lot of cackling in this episode. I'm kind of here for it. I, because I'm fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>